0: Welcome back to another episode of the Testudo Times podcast with your host Sam Oster here alongside Ben Dixon. We have a lot of Maryland men's basketball talk to get to today. Um, it's 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 been a roller coaster ride, like it has been all season. Uh, we saw that their road struggles continue against Michigan State, but they finally got their first road win against Minnesota on Saturday night over the weekend. We're going to get to all of that and more, and look a little ahead at the at the, the future, the calendar, uh, where they rank in the Big Ten. But first, Ben, how are you? Doing well, Sam. Uh, tough game in East Lansing last night.
1: Uh, we're recording this Tuesday morning around, or Wednesday morning, excuse Wednesday. me, 11 a.m. right now, that game Tuesday night. It was a tough one. Um, have to like some things you saw. Have to very much dislike some other things you saw. Um, we'll get into it all. Um, and yeah, just uh, excited to dive in here, but uh, doing well overall.
0: Great to hear that. Um, So this, this game was a classic Maryland road game that we've seen all season against Michigan State. They go down 15-0 early. And we, we've seen similar trends with them all season on the road where they go down big early. We saw it at Michigan State, but they were, they were down 17-0 early. But they, they kind of just rolled over against Michigan, against Michigan. That was back on New Year's Day, January 1st. Against Rutgers, slow road start. Against Purdue, slow road start. But they were able to battle all the way back against Purdue. And they did the same thing against Michigan State. So it does show a lot of resiliency that this team went down 15-0 and battled all the way back. We're gonna to get to some specific things, but what were your overall takeaways um, on on this first half and this ugly start, and really just the game as a, as a whole?
1: Yeah, kind of everything you just touched on. I mean, fifteen nothing is it's not good. That slow start was, you know, it, it was basically a nightmare. Really reminiscent of that Michigan game. Obviously, it didn't end up going fully like that. The Terps didn't throw in the towel. They even took the lead in the second half and. and made it a two and three point game with under a minute to go. Um, But Dante Scott picked up 2000, the first one minute and 40 seconds of the game that really set the tone. And then he had to come back in before the 16 minute mark of the first half. And the team was down 15, nothing. So it was just an indication of just how bad things were going there. Um, It was, it was frustrating. I think Joey Hauser had a great game shooting Um, Tyson Walker, when he was on the floor was excellent. He dealt with a lot of foul trouble himself. Um, But when he was in the game, especially in closing time, he was really effective. Uh, But yeah, I I think just the my we can start with the the slow start. Um, It was really just reminiscent. As I was writing the story last night, I was doing some research on this. You know, Maryland's played six road games or seven road games in the Big Ten. Excuse me. Six of them have been losses in the six losses. They've been trailing by double digits in the first half in every single one of them. You talk about. The first game against Wisconsin on December 6th, fought back, made it a game. The second road game against Michigan on January 1st, like you said, 17-0, threw in the towel there. Rutgers, what was the score there? 15-4. Came back, made it a little competitive, was really not competitive for the majority of the game, though. Iowa down double digits in the first half, cut it to a three, four-point game in the second half. But once again, Iowa ran away with it. Purdue, we know the story there twenty five to eleven, um, and then Michigan State last night fifteen nothing. So it, it's it's a bad trend. It, it's it's concerning. Um, the good news is is that Maryland has put themselves in a position where you know they're going to be in the tournament, bearing a collapse, bearing a, a loss to Minnesota, or, or maybe a spiral towards the end of the season here. And you wanted to play on the road in those games, but it is it's a trend that it's almost hard to make sense of how they go down double digits in really every single road game, notwithstanding Minnesota.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, like you can, you can point to the road and home splits and we will, because there really are that staggering just to throw another, on some more numbers out for you. Um, in Maryland's six big 10 home wins this season when they're undefeated at home, they haven't lost at home. They scored a total of 218 first half points. Maryland's six, um road losses this season i'm not counting minnesota which was their lone road win because minnesota is by far the worst team in the big 10 it's it's not even fair to count them but in their other six road games where they lost all of those they've scored 135 first half points that's an 85 point difference in first half scoring at home and on the road in the same amount of games that's a jarring jarring number and look like winning on the road in college basketball in the Big 10 it's really hard it's really difficult but but teams still find a way to do it. Maryland really has not found a way to do it all that all at all. Like the Minnesota win was a good win. They had to get it. It was the first it was a good good way to get your first road win. But like Minnesota is the worst team in the conference and it's not even close. Like that that's barely barely a power five basketball team if we're being honest especially with the injuries that they have right now so that barely even counts to me as a road win you know when you're talking about the rest of the conference and all these other road losses it's it's not that they can't compete on the road because we we see them do that in the second half we see them get in the rhythm and and get more comfortable as as the game goes on it's the starts they fall behind so early that just puts them in a bad position if they don't fall behind 15 to 0 yesterday against michigan state they're winning that game and we'll talk about the abysmal three-point shooting but it was just If you don't fall behind early, you're probably winning a lot of these games, and you've a much better record in the Big Ten than than seven and six. It's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. We all know that, and Will loves to remind everyone of that. But it's like it's it's almost jarring how bad they've been on the road compared to a lot of these other Big Ten teams. Because I haven't looked exactly at the numbers, but some of these other teams, any any other tournament team in the Big Ten, I think they have more than one win on the road, or at least their one win wasn't against Minnesota. Um, so, so it's concerning. I mean, look, like we were talking about it yesterday Like we've seen them do very well in neutral site, uh, like at St. Louis or when they played St. Louis and played Miami at Mogan's Sun earlier this year. So, and, and even at the Barclays center, they got off to a bad start, but then they battled back against Tennessee. So it's not like come playoff time. Like we should be worried because it's not on the road. It's in Chicago. They'll be on the road in the NCAA tournament at neutral site. So it's not like a road atmosphere in that sense, but it still is. Um, being away from College Park and how much they've struggled, it, it's concerning.
1: It is. It is. It certainly is. I think if you look from a, a non Big Ten scope here, and you look at the beginning of the year when they they picked up a twenty eight point win against St. Louis, who's turned into you know a pretty bad team in their own right. They're top one hundred, but not the the borderline top twenty five team that that we expected. Eighteen point win over Miami on a neutral floor looks really good, and that's you know their best win away from the only four wins away from home this year. That's their best one. And the other two being that Minnesota game you referenced and the Louisville game winning by 25 at Louisville, who is not even in the top 300 on Ken Pom. So not a good win there. Um, I, I can't confirm those stats you say about, you know, the teams winning road games like that. Obviously it's really hard to win in the road, but like look at Indiana, for example, like Maryland picked up a great win over Indiana at home, Indiana beat Illinois on the road, Indiana, beat Xavier on the road in the beginning of the year, who's the top 15 team in the country. Um, it, it's it's very, very hard to win on the road in Big Ten and college basketball. And Maryland season, it kind of seems like there's teams like this every year who have tournament profiles of, look, really strong. They have the quad one w- wins. They've racked them up, but they haven't been able to get the job done on the road. I don't think it's something that'll ultimately hurt Maryland from you know a post-season fate perspective. It's just more so... Like you said, if Maryland gets off to better starts in these games and, and, you know, because the way they're playing these second halves at some of them, it's absolutely resilient. It's relentless. Look what Maryland did against Michigan State. They took the lead in a game they were down 15 nothing. Same can be said for Purdue. I don't know if that. I don't think, they, don't believe they took the lead in that game, but cut it to one possession there and uh, had a chance to tie it and send it to OT. It's, and it does, it does show the progress
0: of how far they've come because no they're down 17 to 0 at Michigan. They just rolled over. And like this team will not roll over they will they will not quit, they'll keep fighting, and that's really like Willie said after the game that's really all you can ask for is the effort and the effort was certainly there, so that really does say a lot about how far this team's come where they're not going to roll over, they're gonna claw back in this game, but it's just it's just the starts the starts on the road are just they're they're staggering staggeringly bad, and they're just a completely different team on the road and on the home and at home, and it just starts based off those first five to ten minutes. That's all it is because Maryland gets comfortable as the game goes on. Like they just look rattled. They can't get stops when they're, and they're a great defensive team. They really are, but they can't get stops in the opening few minutes and they can't score in the opening few minutes. So they're going to go behind early and it's the defensive intensity isn't the same in those first couple minutes. Um, their Their shot selection and then like how they're moving the ball offensively, moving it from side to side, which is a key part of their offense. And it just, all of it's just different. Like it just isn't as good.
1: Yeah, the team's grown leaps and bounds. Like you said, I was gonna to get to that. It it's the the fight is something that we didn't see um in that Michigan game. You know, in the Rockers and Iowa game when when you lose by double digits, there's a little bit more of a fight there, but not to the extent of fighting and improving where this team is just, just has a different look than it did early on. And look, you have three road games left against Nebraska, Ohio State, and Penn State. We'll get into the bigger pictures we do towards the end of the show always. But I I think Maryland will will sneak out one of those road wins towards the end of the season, whether it be Ohio State or Penn State, and I think it'll be kind of uh you know a full circle thing as as to you know how much this team has grown this year. But just talking about that growth and how the team has improved, like you said, Sam, I think one of one of my other takeaways from this game is look, yes, you have Jameer Young, who's who's going to be your best player night in and night out. I think you know despite his foul trouble julian reese looks like a different player from yeah. from a month or so ago um I, I don't know if that's the direction you want to get into here i know the foul trouble still an issue i think robbie Hummel, credit to him for the stat last night he's been in he's had at least four fouls in 10 of maryland's 13 big 10 games which is you know the word staggering we use it a lot it, it's a staggering number um because maryland needs him on the floor patrick Million, i thought gave good minutes last night but when juju gets in foul trouble like that it, it certainly hurts the team the team isn't officially better with him on the floor i don't think there's any doubt about that the way he's been playing recently um but just the step he's been taking i think that's also part of the reflection we've seen with the improvement from the start of the road games where look michigan and Rutgers, maybe he wasn't fully healthy then i mean we, it seems we talk about it every week and, and it seems like something that's kind of been swept under the rug willard made sure we haven't forget that both him and a million re, uh injured But, you know, he's healthy now. He's confident. And I think he's a big part of this different look Maryland team that we're seeing right now. And then the fact that they're playing a lot better.
0: Yeah, Juju's been phenomenal. Um, There's no doubt about it. He was getting a lot of criticism early on in the year um, for his lack of aggressiveness. He was kind of getting pushed around by some other bigs in the Big Ten and really in some of those non-conference games, too. Um, But I do think that part of that was that, that injury that he had, that shoulder injury, and we've talked about that where that kind of hurt his aggressiveness. He's just been he's been phenomenal, like his footwork down there, his patience, his finishing ability in the post. Um, he's shown he can step outside, like we've seen a couple jumpers, not a lot, but I think like two or three jumpers in the last few weeks. Um, where he has that touch. There's a couple things though, the foul trouble, like you said, it's concerning being having four fouls in um in 10 of the 13 Big Ten games, that's a problem. But to his credit, when he is in foul trouble, and look, we we talked about this earlier in the year, that Willard and Maryland have some of the highest two foul participation in the entire country. And that's a big part because they don't have a lot of guys to go to on the bench. But when, uh, when he is in foul trouble, I think he's done a good job of remaining aggressive, but being smart with it. It's just, you want to be and some of those fouls that he gets are, are ticky tack fouls and just not smart fouls, but you want to stay as a, you want to continue to be aggressive when you have foul trouble, not all the time, but if you're worried about going to the bench and picking up your fourth or fifth foul, then your defensive approach is just going to be very different and you're not going to be as aggressive and, and you might as well not even be out there. I think he's done a very good job of having those three fouls early, having four fouls and still remaining aggressive and like he had a big block with four fouls yesterday late in that game against yeah. Michigan state like I think he's doing a very good job with that um and look he, he hasn't he's only fouled out one of those games yeah I think. I'm pretty sure that there's ten games where he's had four fouls he only got to a fifth foul once maybe twice so so that's credit to him of, of staying of being smart and willard and his staff for having the the trust in him uh to continue to go at him the other thing is to go with him the other thing is. His backup is a is really productive backup for a backup center. Like Willard talks all the time about how Patrick Emelian is the MVP of the team. And he really he really might be, especially off the bench, because he's their best bench player. Like Last night, he, he had to play 22 minutes because Reese only played 29. You want to see Reese playing at least 32, 33 minutes in most games. But because of that foul trouble, he only played 29. So Patrick Emelian played 22. He had six points and six rebounds, and he was 100% from the field. Like and he's he's a very smart, good defender. Like he he's on, on the he's an undersized big, but he doesn't look like it at all out there. Like he battles with some of these best, some of these top guys who are much stronger than him, maybe even more physical than him. But Patrick Million has done a great job replacing Julian Reese. And then just the last point on Julian Reese here is the other thing you want to see improving is um is his foul shooting. We talked about him shooting jumpers a little bit, but he's shooting fifty percent from the line this season. That's just not going to cut it as a big because you yeah. want to especially when you're going on some of these guys you want to go into them absorb contact get to the free throw line so way to get pick up easy points but if you're shooting 50 from the line that's that's not going to work and we saw michigan state implement a little hack-a-shack approach on down the stretch when they were up three michigan state was up three with like 33 seconds left and they fouled julian reese on the inbound and he goes to the line and he's a 50 free throw shooter so you play the numbers and what do you know? He he goes one for two at the line, 50%. Um, And then Michigan State was up two with the ball, and the game was over from there. But you want to see his free throw shooting improve, too.
1: No doubt about that. They're going to need him to – because, look, I think Michigan State, in a, in a close game, playing Shack with, with Jew, I think we might see that moving forward in another close game if it's a recipe that, that proved to work last night. Um, But, yeah, I, I think just to talk about Pat a million real quick – serviceable at six, seven. Like, like you said, not only a really good backup big, but a really good small backup big. Who's, who's able to, to play like a big guy. Um, you saw one of his makes, he just took it right at Hauser to the hoop. That was incredible. He had six boards, three of them offensive. One of them was a really big offensive board. He kicked to Jameer young for three, which he missed. Um, He had a a big play like that in one of the home games. I forget which one where he was able to kick it to Jameer for a big make. Um, He was also, what, four for four from the line last night, four really big free throws. He gave Maryland their first lead, converted on uh, the front end of a one of one. So his contributions were certainly big time. Um, And if we're talking about the bench here, I I mean, anything else on, on Juju there, Sam?
0: Well, not really. I mean, I think address address the foul trouble, address how how far he's come in Big Ten play, and how he's continuing to elevate his game and and the free throw shooting. Those are the three big things over the last week uh, with him.
1: Hundred percent, and and I mean, while we're on the bench, I, I think we have to talk about Don Carey, who yeah. just didn't yeah, play yeah, a minute was, in the second half. We're gonna get to that one. Um, that was uh, that was certainly interesting. I, uh, he was he was over four from three. I, I, part of me, was wondering, I mean, there was a play towards the end of the half where he basically just called his own, and then the first half where he basically just called his own number with eight seconds left on the shot clock where more than enough time to get something going. Basically like a total ISO play, step back three, missed it badly. I wonder if that's what, what got Willard upset there. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm curious your thoughts here because we were talking about it and look, Maryland still, still is jacking threes, three for 22. Um, But You know Don Carey, not a starter on your team, not playing a single minute in the second half is is interesting.
0: Yeah, look, the whole Don Carey thing is interesting. Like Jameer Young comes in, um, and you don't really know exactly what you're going to get. No one predicted he would be as as good and as physical and as talented as he was immediately, and have pretty much zero um, transition period coming into the Big Ten. He's just been phenomenal, but no one really expected that, and that's kind of why they picked the finish tenth because you didn't really know what you were going to get from these transfers. But Jameer Young has outlived, outperformed every expectation anybody had for him, including Willard, um, except for maybe himself, uh, Jameer Young. Then you have Don Kerry, on the other hand, the other transfer guard who comes in, and he's supposed to bring three-point shooting to this team that didn't have a lot of shooters. And because he, he came over, he was 40% three-point shooter in, at Georgetown. That's a phenomenal number. I mean, that that's a really great three-point shooter. You thought his presence was going to be big. There's really no other way to sugarcoat it. He's just been a really bad three-point shooter this season. He's just struggled. And, you know, he's not a bad three-point shooter in general, I don't think. Great shooters struggle sometimes. Sometimes the a 10-game stretch. Sometimes it's a whole season. You know, you see it all the time at every level of sports. He has a good, he has a good stroke. It becomes kind of a mental thing, a confidence thing. And I don't think he's really lost confidence because he's still chucking them up, even though a lot of times they're not really in rhythm. But... He's just, he's just really struggling from three. And what's interesting about it is Willard has shown a ton of – because he's struggled all season. I mean, he's had a four-for-four four night against Wisconsin. He's had a couple other, like, meaningless, good three-point shooting nights and, and kind of blowout games. But Willard's shown a lot of confidence in him. And, and really where he showed the most confidence in him was at that Purdue game when Don Carey was one for five from three. And Willard draws – Maryland's down three against, on the road against Purdue. And Willard draws a play up for Don Carey who's been really bad shooting the ball this season, and and it was a brilliant play. It was very well executed. Don Carey got a good look from the corner. He airballed it, and he was he finished the game one for six from three. So Willard showed a ton of confidence in him all season. So it was like, all right, like he's going to continue to struggle, but there's not really going to be any repercussions because what can you do? And then yesterday at Michigan State, he's over four from three in the first half. He's just, he's really like, He's really useless out there offensively because he's not—he's not somebody who can drive to the basket. He doesn't have a great mid-range game. He's really just a three-point shooter, um, and he's not like he can't like ball—he can't handle the ball or initiate the offense. He's really just a three-point shooter like that—that's his role. And he was struggling. He was 0-4 in the first half against Michigan State, and Willow just pulled him. Like he—he—he he, he simply did not play a, He was straight benched. He did not play a minute in the second half. Ian Martinez came in and was was fine. You know, um, he did some of the little gritty things. He only had two points. One for four from the three. Didn't make a three either. He was over two from three. But he had six boards and, and two assists. You know, and he's also a better defender, I believe, at least a perimeter defender on ball than Don Carey. Um. So so Ian Martinez came in and and played the entire second half, um, in in replacing Don Carey. And it was just interesting because I think a lot of fans were calling for this because Don Carey's just he's just really struggling. And when he's not making shots out there, there's not really a point of him being out there. Um, and Willard finally saw that and benched him. But the other interesting part is it's not a long-term solution. Like maybe Ian Martinez will be in the starting lineup next game instead of Don Carey. But this team is so thin on the bench where you really can't play more than seven, eight guys. And Jahari Long isn't going to be like a scorer. So you need to, you, Don Carey going to have to play significant minutes. Maybe he's off the bench now, even though Willard tried that earlier in the season, it's going to give Don Carey a boost where he brought Don Carey off the bench from three. Uh, Brought Don Carey off the bench, started Ian Martinez, but that didn't really help Don at all. So it, it's just interesting because moving forward, you're not going to be able to to bench Don Carey for an entire second half. You just won't. Like he either needs to yeah. make shots or or play phenomenal defense, move the ball well, be a threat out there. Still, I don't know, but you just you can't bench him moving forward because of how thin this team is. Like Ian Martinez can't play the entire game. Or even be in the starting lineup and playing significant minutes. So he's going to have to play. Like Noah Bachelor isn't an answer. Jahari Long isn't a scoring guard. So th- there's really no other option. And you're going to have to play Don Carey. So it's like, okay, you bench him for the entire second half. Does that hurt his confidence even more? It feels like, you know, it, it, it affects your mental game when, when you're struggling from three like he is. But does that hurt your confidence any, even more when you're straight benched for an entire second half? I don't know, but we'll find out. But it was very interesting that he finally did, made that move.
1: Yeah, I mean, Willard knows confidence in his players better than than we do, of course. But at some point, I mean, it's not it's not even about confidence. The guy just can't shoot this year. He's he's has five games in Big Ten play where he's made zero threes and attempted a three. He's had three more games where he's only made one three, and he's attempted more than one three. So it's like where the line had to be drawn somewhere. I guess that was it. I I like I said, look. He played 11 minutes in that first half. I, I think, I think that play where he called his own number with eight seconds left in the shot clock had to be the final straw. There, um, I mean, we weren't in person in in East Lansing. I would have loved to see Willard's um, facial reaction and, and body language there, um, but but that was bad, man. I mean, you it, know what's funny that I just thought of?
0: <laughs> what what? Remember during this eight no start. How Willow was talking about how like opposing coaches are talking to him calling him and it's like how do you get your guys to play so hard de- defensively? How do you have great such such great defensive intensity? I remember he said, like he said, My offensive philosophy has always been like you can do whatever you want offensively, you can take whatever you shot you want, but as long as long as you're playing hard on defense, that's the only thing I care about. The only time you'll ever get benched or pulled from a game is if you're not playing hard on defense. That's not exactly true. <laughs>
1: No, definitely not. I mean, I think I think at this point, I think even there's been times where people have have brought up the quote to him in, in media sessions in the past couple of months and he'll be like, When did I say that? Like it's like we have a playbook, like blah blah blah. Like what like as as he should, as he should be saying, should have backtracked a little little bit from that quote once the going got rough. But yeah, I mean, he I think like you said, that's not true because some of these shots I I think I don't know. I think it was maybe more the O for four start that he benched him for than anything. But that final shot is certainly one that stood out for me. Yeah, as I mean, moment. I don't. It's a it moment was in like the a, game. Like, what the heck was he doing?
0: Like, like yeah, maybe it was because of that. But like, which would be like a disciplinary thing. But I don't think it was like a disciplinary thing. Like, it was just simply like for the Ian, Martinez, of the Ian Martinez gives you a better shot to win. Like, yeah. you have a better shot to win when Don carries on the bench when he's shooting that poorly from three. That's just true. So it was it was staggering that he didn't play a single minute in the second half. Like not, he didn't even come off the bench. Like he just didn't play a single minute. Ian Martinez, Ian Martinez played all twenty minutes in the second half. So that was that was just interesting, but it wasn't like a disciplinary thing. I really think it was just like he he him and his coaching staff believe and know as we do that when Don Carey's struggling shooting the ball, you have a better chance of winning the game with him on the bench. It's that yep. simple.
1: Like you said, that's that's a strength. Um, if it if it's not going to be there. Then, you know, it, it's not going to be a, a good showing for for the team from for him, and then just from three point range in general. I think look, we can rag on him all we want. He was over four from three. The team was three for twenty two from three. So it's not like anyone else stepped up. Like Hakeem Hart yeah. shot six threes. He only made one. I mean, his shot has look. He's he's his, the slashing's still there. He had some clutch buckets last night. But his shot has has completely gone out the window. We can get some numbers there in a little bit once once I do the math. Uh, Jameer Young only one for five from three. Dante Scott one for three. Jahari Long over two. Ian Martinez over two. Like, yeah, I mean, just not, it's just a, not a good three point shooting team. And right now, um, Kempom numbers have it what. 30.2% from three, 334th in the country. I think it was 313 before the game. So they dropped 21 yeah. spots. Yeah. I mean, there's only 363 that's... teams in division one. They're bottom 30 in the country in three point shooting teams. Don't shoot 23s per game on the road. It's not going to work. It's just not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. T- yeah. 22 threes they took. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like that's, that's really bad. Like 334 out of 360 something teams. Like that, and second, they're second worst in the Big Ten, only behind only a team that's worse is Minnesota, just barely, a, barely a, a team right now as well.
1: Yeah, it's really um,
0: bad. Like it's not like 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 we said, like Don Carey, we're picking on him him a little bit, but I still don't think he's a bad three point shooter. He's just he's going through a very rough stretch, and it, it can it can mess with your mentals, it can mess with your confidence, it can do all that stuff, and then that's tough as a shooter. And sometimes you need a reset. Sometimes that reset can't come until the end of the season. Um. It's just hard to hard to reset in the middle in the middle of yeah. a grueling schedule and a grueling season, but yeah, like you said, like it's not just all him. Like this 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 team, the jury's out. Like this is a very bad three point shooting team. Terrible, couldn't be. And and sometimes they're like they at home. They've had nights where they've shot over forty percent from three. They had a thirty five percent night at home. Oh, in that three game home stretch last week, like, like they've had good three point performances and and against minnesota they were phenomenal from three they started the game five for seven from three so maybe i think that sometimes when when they think they have a good starter a good stretch or a good game from three um it it switches but they've really consistently over a long period of time like this team has struggled from three and they're not a good three three point shooting team and like you said like you can't you just can't shoot 22 threes on the road like if, if you're p- taking better shots, even if you make two more of those threes, I think Maryland wins this game. If you take five, if you still make three threes, and Michigan State had nine and shot 45% from the three, but even if you take five less threes and, and make them better shots instead of three bowls, um, I think you have a better sh- better chance of winning. You know, Maryland, like, they're, best. they're at their best when they're driving driving and kicking, and, and some of their looks are or they're good three-point shooter looks, and your dad actually pointed this out on Twitter yesterday, <laughs> and I, no I noticed shit. it too, but it was, I forget what point it was, but it was when he, when, when I think it was a Jameer Young drive and kick and the defense collapsed, and it was for Hakeem Hart's three, and it was the middle of that big run, 12-0 run, or 14-2 run in the second half yesterday. I think it was a Jameer Young kick, but I'm not exactly sure, but Jameer Young drove the lane, kicks out to Hakeem Hart, and it was the only three he made all day. Um, but it was an open look like the defense converged yeah. because you have to pay attention to the Jameer Young drive. There's no guard in the entire Big Ten who can guard Jameer Young one on one right now. So you have to pay attention to his drive. And when the defense converges, that's when you kick and they got an open look for Hakeem Hart. But the reality is they're missing a lot of open looks, too. Like it's just this team isn't going to win games when they're shooting that poorly from three. It's one thing to shoot like 25, 27. like their average is thirty two percent from three but 14% from three and you shoot 22 attempts, you're just like, you're not going to win ball games that way. Even against a bad Michigan state offense, it's a good Michigan state team, solid Michigan state team. They should be in the tournament, but it's a bad Michigan state offense. It goes on a lot of scoring droughts and Maryland's defense was very good against them. Um, But, but even against them, you have to make shots. And, and it's just, you're you're going to lose tight games. You're going to lose blowouts. You're going to lose games if you're shooting that poorly from three and shooting that many of them.
1: Of course. And yeah, the, the look, the penetrate and kick with Jameer Young. If, if, even if you're that bad of a shooting team as Maryland is, if you get those wide open threes in rhythm, you should be able to hit him. Let me get you those those numbers on Nakeem Hart because there's been times where he showed he's a really good shooter in his career. December 2nd against Illinois, he goes five for six from three. He was in fuego that game, it really helped him beat Illinois. That felt like a really pivotal moment in Maryland's season, get to eight and If you take out those, Three point makes and attempts. He is shooting sixteen point seven percent from three in conference play. It's it's bad. Yeah. It's it's yeah. look. It's Don Carey is definitely part of the problem. And and Hakeem Hart, look, he still has a top one hundred offensive rating per Kempom in the entire country individually. Still showed really good flashes of being a really good offensive player, whether that be facilitating, making plays for his teammates, or driving the hoop. We know how effective he is as a slasher. But 16.7% from three, maybe his shot, he's slumping from three as well. Maybe there's got to be a moment with Hakeem where it's like, look, it shouldn't be taking six threes on the road against Michigan yeah. State. But the difference is Hakeem is
0: so valuable in so many other areas. Like you said, slasher, of course. like he can drive to the basket. They've been getting more post touches for him in recent games. They're designed sets for him to get touched in the post, and he's effective down there. And he's a great defender, as we all know. So so he's still effective out there. Like When he goes one for right. six from three and steals 12 points, like you want to make see and make some of those threes, but you know that's still a pretty solid game for him.
1: Of course, I'm not. I'm not saying bench him or anything. I'm just saying maybe I'll alter that that recipe for him where maybe he's not taking what six three. What did he take last night? Six threes and three twos, six twos and three threes because look he's we we know he's 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 a good offensive player, he's a very good defensive player, and we know his strengths offensively. I just don't think taking six threes for him on the road or anyone for that matter because no one on this team has proven they're a great shooter uh by yeah, any like, of that yeah i mean it's a it's
0: a bad like the numbers say everything you know it's a very bad three point shooting team, and it's just not filled with with three point shooters on the roster or guys who who are three point shooters but are struggling and and you know you kind of thought Don Carey coming to the season would fill that void, but he hasn't. Like even Jameer Young, who has been phenomenal, you can't say enough things, good things about him. He's not shooting particularly well from three at all. No, he's not, he's definitely under thirty percent. He was one for five yesterday against Michigan State. You know, um, I've been been breaking some of his film down and looking at his numbers. He's actually a much better shooter off the dribble. And some of those pick-and-roll sets when someone go under his screen. He's a much better shooter off the dribble than he is a catch-and-shoot shooter. Um, but he's not like – that's not his strength, three-point shooting. So this team's going to struggle shooting threes. But when your team struggles shooting threes and you're not up against some dominant big like like a Zach Eady, like a Hunter Dickinson. like Michigan State is a very physical team, don't get me wrong, but they don't have some of the traditional bigs that Izzo has had in the past. you got to limit the three-point attempts, and you got to get downhill more Um, and you know, it's like, it's like I asked Will the other day and he made the joke about like, um, along with Polly, the the movie, like, but like the question was like very legitimate. It was like, do you tell your team to like not shoot as many threes and limit the three point attempts and try to get downhill more? he's like, no, like I don't Like I probably should, but like, I still have confidence in these guys. And he showed, obviously he doesn't have too much confidence in, in Don Carey anymore, but he's not going to tell like his group or, or maybe he does behind closed doors. We don't know that. To, to To stop shooting threes and really get downhill, but that really needs to be an emphasis, especially on the road because that's where they revert back to their old habits of of just chucking these threes and it's just you know yeah. it's not like this is an average three point shooting team like this is a really bad three point shooting team
1: yep really bad we've 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 come to that conclusion I think a few weeks ago we're not letting nine for twenty one against Minnesota change our minds um when it matters, this team's is shooting a lot of threes on the road and and look. They're still fighting. We can get into the second half, and, and it's amazing they took the lead in that game despite the terrible shooting from three. Because look, we talk we talk about the winning identity of this team, and and there's so many factors that go into it, and none of it is making threes. And and this team's still able to win some ball games. So yeah, I mean the yeah. the,
0: the other thing I want to talk about real quick is just Jameer Young, who's um who's just been phenomenal all season. And, and we know he's been phenomenal, but I really want to bring him up because it really was highlighted to me in this game where it's like, he has, like, there's a lot of pressure for him, but he has to put this team on his back. Like this team has no shot if he's not playing well, or if he's not being aggressive, if he's not really, if he's not being aggressive and, and trying to attack the basket and getting downhill, I'm not saying he wasn't doing that exactly in the first few minutes of the game, but you know, like when Maryland's struggling to score, it's because Jameer young is, is not driving the lane. He's not, getting uh getting past his defender and breaking down the defense and, and a lot of time getting to the hole. Like he he's the best player on this team. He's the most important player on this team. He's everything to this team. If he's struggling in any game, Maryland has no chance of winning the game. Yeah. No chance. There there's not like Don, Don Dante Scott's he's improved. He's he's played some played some decent games um but he's not a guy who's going to carry the carry this load. He's not a guy that's going to carry this team. It's Jameer Young's team. And that's a lot of pressure on them because, but the, but that's also the reality. Like it, like we um our guy Seth Davis for the Athletic had a great piece out, um kind of just evaluating every team from from the perspective of anonymous coaches. And one of the anonymous coach quote for Maryland, um I believe it was another Big Ten coach, but maybe just another coach in the country. He said, I don't have the quote exactly in front of me, but the quote was pretty much like this team relies a lot on Jameer Young. Like if Jameer Young struggles or has a bad game, I don't know what this team's going to do. And that's just true. Like if another Big Ten coach is saying it, we see it when we watch this team every game. What, What Jameer Young is not on top of his game, and that doesn't necessarily mean a good shooting night. That just means his aggressive nature, where he's breaking down the defense, getting to the rim, getting out in transition, getting baskets where he gets them. But if he's not playing well, this team has no chance of winning. And that's a lot of pressure on him because he really is that good. But he's just—he's everything to this team, and he's so important. And and in the pick and roll with him and Julian Reese, how he gets Julian Reese involved, how he gets downhill, and he was struggling in the early beginning of that game. That's a big reason why Maryland went down and couldn't score early. And then he picked it up. He finished wasn't his best game by any means, but it was a solid outing. He had seven, seventeen points and six assists and three rebounds. Even though he had he had four fouls too, which hurt him a little bit. Um, even though he played, still played thirty seven minutes but like this. Jameer Young is everything to this team, and, and if if he's playing well, this team has a chance to win any single game. If he's not playing well, this team's going to have a really tough chance winning any game.
1: Yeah, let me just read that quote from the Athletic article. I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Um, quote, they shoot it so much better at home. Jameer Young is fantastic, but they depend a lot on him. He does so much of his damage at the rim. A bad night from him is hard to overcome, but they are not yep. deep at all. They switch up their defenses. They play a matchup zone, a good physical man-to-man. You can't turn it over because they're so good in transition. I really like Dante Scott. He's a little streaky as a shooter, but he's a tough mismatch. You have to put size on him or he'll punish you in the paint. Look, I think, yeah, I a quote go, go ahead. I think that that pretty much is the book on Maryland. Really good defensive team, and we saw the mix of man-to-zone really got him back in the game in the second half. That was That was incredible. We can talk about that in a little bit. But, yeah, this team relies on Jameer Young, like you said, a ton of pressure every night. Only one for five from three last night, but five for eight on his two-point attempts. His ability to get to the hoop and, and finish, it seems like he's quicker than every single guard on the floor, no matter what team they play. It's just his, his first instinct is is always one foot in front of the other guy. Um Dante yeah, I was
0: going to say, like, the, the biggest thing to me was, like, like a bad night from him is is hard to overcome, and it really is. Like, he needs to be great for this Maryland team to win – uh, games in this conference and in the big 10 tournament moving forward and the State tournament, like he needs to be great for this team to win. And, and the other part of that was the transition. You can't turn the ball over against them because of the transition buckets. Like that's where Jameer young gets going. Like he's oh, yeah. phenomenal in transition. Um, He's a great finisher. He's so fast and they really want to run. Like when they grab boards or they turn the ball over, like they just get it out to him, quick outlet. And he just goes and, and a lot of time gets downhill. The basket sometimes kicks out or makes, makes the right read. Um, but that's really where he gets his baskets and he gets going early um in transition. So like like you said, like or like that quote said, if if Maryland's doing a good job of turning the other team over and they get out in transition and get Jameer Young going, it's gonna be hard for the other team. But if they don't do that and Jameer Young's not playing well, it's 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 gonna be tough. But a uh, shout out, uh everyone go read that article in The Athletic by our guy Seth Davis.
1: Yeah, shout out Seth for that. That was a great piece behind enemy lines. Um, always love those anonymous coach pieces, but I just wanted to touch on just one one more part of that quote um, with Dante Scott. We were talking about this off air last night. It just seems like the book on him is is kind of out. Like you know how to defend him. He's not going to hurt you from three. Like that the article said he's a streaky sh- 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 shooter, and it's like you know his bread and butter that that little hook shot in the mid post, low post. Um, he likes to be physical. He can bang with the bigger bodies in the conference. Like I, I don't know. It, it just feels like. Well, he got going last night with that really tough shot in the lane i don't know if you remember kind of driving to the hoop like falling on the ground somehow got it to go he, he makes a lot of tough shots and he's able to be physical with whoever's guarding him it just seems like he's kind of become a little bit of an, an easier guard than he used to like the, the word yeah, matchup, I mean, the word matchup nightmare used to be used for him when he was playing the five on that team with galen smith two years ago and now it's like Look, if he's not gonna shoot the ball well, he's he's a little more one two dimensional than, yeah. than three. I
0: still think in single coverage against most most four men in this league and even five men, um, he can be dominant. But the problem is he's not really in single coverage a whole lot. Like no. most of the time, like if you're shooting the ball well from three, then he's really a threat because you really have to um, go out there and defend him, and he he can drive right past you too. if you're shooting the ball well from three, but he, he's been pretty inconsistent from three. And the most times he's getting his touches are on that mid post low post block. a lot of times on the left block. And if he's single coverage, like I have a ton of confidence in him to get a bucket almost every single time. But like you said, like the playbook's out on him. like most teams now are standing a double over pretty immediately. Um, and he's kind of just ineffective when that double comes. He's not like a great passer out of the double team. And And that's kind of the smart thing to do, because if you have him if he has anyone in single coverage down on that block, like he'll go right to that right hook and he'll get a bucket on you every single time. But most teams are sending that double over to prevent him from going to that right hook, and it's kind of putting him in a, in a little bit of a dilemma, so it's on the coaching staff too to get him in better positions where that double can't come, and certain teams haven't done the double, they're just like okay, like we'll let Dante Scott beat us, that's fine but a lot of teams have in in certain instances when he gets that gets his touches on the that mid post low post block a lot of times on left side but sometimes on the right side and it's just when that double comes it's just it's just tough like it's tough to to pass out of that it's it's a well timed double his his eyes aren't necessarily watching the double come because sometimes it comes down from the perimeter sometimes it comes down from the other block in the help position so that's kind of the game plan on him and and it, it reams them kind of ineffective when when teams are successfully doubling that.
1: No doubt. I'd love to see the uh, synergy stats on that one if you can do that for homework uh, tonight. You want we'll me that. homework? Nah, nah. I mean, I'll give you I'll give you a loose deadline on that, but uh,
0: I actually I actually had I actually had them up before my computer like freaked out right before we recorded this episode. So I haven't I haven't been utilizing synergy stats this podcast. We'll but do it
1: next 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 podcast. We'll make we'll make sure we get some up there. I got you. Um, now I'm just I'm just playing around, but yeah, uh, I think I think a very accurate assessment of how to guard him. Look, he is getting doubled a lot, and and I think part of that is just like you said, how he is against a single defender, he's able to be physical and take advantage, whether the guy's a little bigger than him or not. Like he took Joey Hazard to school at, at least once or twice last night down low, literally powering through him, um, for buckets, um, or, or fouls. So, yeah, I, I think pretty. Pretty accurate assessment um by you there and, and just about this whole roster right now from, from Juju to, to Jameer to Akeem, I think I think there's there's a pretty good public feel and or at least a feel from us about what everyone's doing well and, and and the recipe of of what's going right and, and what's going wrong here.
0: Yeah. All right. I mean, there's not a lot else to get to. We're gonna talk a little bit about the standings and then the schedule that remains for Maryland. Like the Minnesota game on Saturday night um like we said earlier in the show it was, it was a good win it was a good win over um i mean it was a really dominant win like <laughs> i think it, what was it it was second largest conference road win in in program history um first road win of the season in conference play so that's encouraging but there really wasn't a lot to take away they shot the three ball re- really well and they needed the road win it's funny because Maryland was kind of desperate in that game, which is shocking to say, considering that they're in a pretty good position for the NCAA tournament. Minnesota was is the bottom of the Big Ten, but Maryland felt like the more desperate team just because they really needed a road win. And everyone knew it. Their staff knew it. The players knew it. They just needed to win on the road um, because they hadn't all season in, in conference play. Um, And it's funny. Just sometimes you can just like, predict I mean sometimes college basketball I was texting this last night is so easy to predict just based on the more desperate team like we see it across the country all the time the more desperate team often is favored and often wins just because of their of their how they're desperate they are like Michigan State last night you could say they're the better better team at home maybe but they also look like the more desperate team because they were. Maryland won five straight games. Michigan State had lost five of seven. And was kind of playing it, itself outside the bubble if they, if they continue this poor play. So Michigan State was desperate last night. And that's kind of, you saw their, how desperate they were in that big 15-0 start. And Maryland was more laxed. And, and like they were on the road where they struggled and been a little rattled. But that was just a side note here. But anything from that Minnesota game, they shot the ball well. Everyone played well. Everyone on the roster, even the walk-ons played I mean, there really wasn't a lot to take away. Like I said earlier, Minnesota is just, they're 111 in the conference. They're by far the worst team in the conference, and they're just, yeah. they're really bad.
1: Yeah, not, not a lot to take away. Um, another good Juju game, eight for 10 from the field. Jameer Young did his thing. Um, Dante Scott, yeah, not, not too much to take away. Um, they, they did their thing once, once, I mean, Maryland made five of their first seven threes, and the game was what, 24 point game in the first half. Um, so the game was over in the first five minutes. I I I don't even think there's a single takeaway from the second half in that one. Um, other than it was really good to see a dominant 40 minute performance start to finish. Minnesota never led. There was one tie of the game. It was 0-0. It was it was it was a great game for Maryland. And um look, I I I kind of brought it up from going to that game to Michigan State. They stayed in Minnesota, they went to the Timberwolves game Sunday night. Haven't been home. Willard mentioned the practice was a little lethargic. Not a lot of energy Monday's practice. Um, so look, it, it's it's you don't want to make excuses on the road. But it's like Maryland did one four in a row, hadn't slept in their own beds since the week before. And they they were playing, I think, with a little bit of house money and, and they didn't come out with um, the intensity they needed to against Michigan State. They ended up turning it up in the second half, took the lead, made it a game. But I th- I think like you said, Sam, when college basketball and then desperation and all those the other factors that go into it with travel, I, I think it was a little bit predictable to start. I don't know to that extent. Um, but I, I look, Maryland's not gonna get dinged for this loss. Like you lost to the tournament team on the road. You look you look like a seven, eight, nine seed in the tournament. It's it is what it is. Like I I don't I don't and- I, there were some crazy overreactions I saw um from whether it be friends in person or or on the on Twitter. Well you know Maryland um, fans love to over yeah. Yeah. Um look, I, it 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 wasn't that crazy of a game. There there's a lot to take away from from a micro perspective and the fact that the bad trends continued uh to start the game at um at Michigan State. But it's look, I'm not I'm not writing this team off for anything after that one. They return home yeah, no. games. You get Penn State, you're gonna be favored in that one, and then you get another crack at Purdue. So
0: Yeah, so real quick, let's there? let's talk about um the, the the upcoming remaining schedule, and then we'll wrap up here. In going into that game, Maryland was fifth in the conference, um, in the conference standings, and they had a shot to be a top four seed in the in the Big Ten tournament, which would get them a a double bye and automatic trip to the quarterfinals. They still have a chance for that because these Big Ten standings are so um convoluted. I guess like Purdue is eleven and two; they're going to win the conference, um, no question, be the one seed. Indiana, Rutgers are looking like the two and three seeds. However, that shakes up, then you have. Illinois, Northwestern, Iowa, Michigan—all seven and five—and then you have Maryland, Michigan State, seven and six. So there's still a very good path forward for Maryland to be a top four seed potentially, um, but they have to take care, take care of business in the, the next few games. And let's go over the next, those next few games, excuse me. First up this Saturday at, versus Penn State. Penn State team that just lost to Nebraska does not look particularly good, even though they were. Um, they were looking pretty good in, in the beginning of the season. But this team is out of the – like on the bad, wrong side of the bubble right now. So this team is going to be pretty desperate down the stretch of the season. Um, I don't know if they're an NCAA tournament team. I mean, Jalen Pickett's one of the best players in the Big Ten. But this team has is just is struggled a little bit, especially defensively. So this is at home for Maryland. Then Purdue's coming to town, the number one team in the country. This will be next Thursday. Then they're at Nebraska versus – at home against Minnesota, at home against Northwestern, and then on the road at Ohio State, and then finish season on the road at Penn State. So let's see. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left to go. Three of those games, two of those games against Nebraska-Minnesota can give those auto-Ws, I would say, given the injury situation for both those teams. And then you would say, like, there's no way they're going to lose twice to Penn State. They're at least going to lose, win one, and likely... That win will come at home this Saturday. Um, so there's three wins out of their seven. That Northwestern game is going to be huge for the standings because right now, Northwestern's a, a game ahead of Maryland in the Big Ten standings, and that's going to be at home for Maryland where they're much better at. Um, and then they have Ohio State and Penn State at the end of the year. Ohio State's out of the tournament. I don't really see them making it. They don't really have a chance. They're 3-9 and nine in the yeah. Big Ten. So that's, their season might be done by that point, essentially. So on the road at Ohio State, that's a winnable game. And then... Penn State's going to be really desperate to get a home win that last game of the season because they're going to be on the bubble the rest of the way. So we'll see how that shakes up. I could see this team in the last seven games. Um, I see four wins for this team. Four and three, I would say, in the last seven games. Yeah, I think I think
1: if you're the team, I think your goal is five and two, to be honest with you. Um, I think out of... We'll argue, we'll say the three toughest games on on the schedule are remaining at Penn State, at Ohio State, or home against Northwestern. I'll give you one of those two, and then obviously home against Purdue next Thursday. If you win one of those three, you should be able to hold serve in those other four games. And look, Ken Palm Projects 11-9 and in conference, I think... I think 12 and eight is, is feasible. Um, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm not sure how exactly it's going to play out. I think, I think if you're Kevin Willard and your staff and you're looking at the schedule, you say, look, we got four games at home. We want to beat Minnesota, Northwestern and Penn state all at home. Purdue. You have to feel you have a chance given that you went in there and you almost knocked them off. I know Purdue around Zach. He didn't score in that first game. It might not be the case. Um, at Maryland again, they struggled at Indiana, um, the surrounding cast outside of ed so who knows what'll happen there um nebraska on the road you gotta you have to win that game i know that they always have good crowds at, at pinnacle bank because that's the only show in town and and but that's just not a good team um i don't know i think i think five and two is a, is a very feasible goal no, I, I absolutely um, think it's
0: feasible like i don't think i think a lot of people think that maryland is a good chance to be purdue purdue when purdue comes down just because of how good they've been on at home i would still be very shocked If they upset Purdue, um, I think it'll be a pretty close game. I'm interested to see what that line would be. But you got to remember that Zach Eady had 24 and 16 and a pretty pedestrian game, to be honest with you. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well from the field. You know, he missed a lot of shots he usually makes. But to Maryland's credit, they had a great game plan for him. It was make everyone else beat you. And I'm not saying everyone else on that Purdue team can beat them because it's not a great supporting cast. But they also shot 14 percent from three. The first time they played. I don't think, even on the road for Purdue, I don't think it's gonna be that bad um against Maryland, even though Maryland shot like fifteen or thirteen percent from three that game too. So it was an ugly yeah. two point shooting game. But with that being said, I don't I don't necessarily think Purdue um or Maryland will beat Purdue at home. I agree with you. Penn State at home, Minnesota at home, at Nebraska seems like three automatic wins almost. And then I see them I see them either beating Northwestern at home or beating Ohio State on the road. It's they could like you're right, you're absolutely right. Five and two, I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's very feasible. Um, I think four and three is a little more realistic, which Mm -hmm. which would get them to eleven and nine in the Big Ten. Um, probably would not get them a a top four seed.
1: No, Um, I think I think this team's gonna finish over five hundred in Big Ten. Now, I I, oh definitely. I
0: think at this point it would be pretty bad if they didn't. Yeah, they somehow slipped to three and four here.
1: Yeah, you just have you just have to have a, if you get a winning record in these last seven games, you're over five hundred. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: not even about like the tournament. Right, like they're in the tournament. There's no question about that. They're not even really on the bubble anymore. Um, it's really just the seeding in the Big Ten tournament, which is pretty important. I mean, they'd love to have that double by and just start their weekend on Thursday or on Friday in the quarterfinals, and it would help our travel plans too. But yeah. <laughs> but but if you're going eleven and ten eleven and nine, excuse me, it's probably not going to happen just because Rutgers and Indiana kind of um going to go away with that second and third seed Illinois is lurking um but but maybe because if Michigan State starts playing well Iowa could creep up there Maryland's the tiebreaker over Illinois and then Northwestern seven to five so that game down the stretch is gonna be huge I don't know I mean there's there's seven games left and a lot to shake out in a Big Ten that's so so even this is going to be a wild week in Chicago because there's going to be a ton of upsets because no one is that much better than anyone and anyone in this conference can beat anyone on any given night and that even includes Purdue you saw Indiana beat them you saw Maryland almost beat them on the road like this is going to be a great big yeah, tournament because I'm, these teams are all so so even
1: yeah I'm going to be amped to uh we're going to be amped to be there um I think just one last point here even if Maryland doesn't you know, play their way to a double buy. That would be such a luxury given the struggles in December and January and the expectations going to the season. I think as long as they finish 11 and nine or better in the big 10, it's, it's, it's gravy on top of, you know, what was expected not to be a great season. And Kevin Wood has already instilled that, that culture in year one and the team is, is reaping the benefits of that. Um, so I'm just excited to see how it finishes out Two home games. Um, you know the, the Xfinity Center can can be a madhouse and and look if if they can beat Penn State and and we'll talk to you guys before Purdue, but if they can beat Penn State and you're winners of five of your last six and you're still undefeated at home eight six in the Big Ten, it, it the narrative certainly changes uh, game in and game out with this team.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just the way it's been all season with Maryland and with almost all these teams in the Big Ten. Yep. Um, we're not gonna be on air before Penn State. You want to give a quick Penn State prediction?
1: Yeah, I think Maryland. I think Jalen Pickett is going to be the key here. Uh, one of the best players, not only the Big Ten but the entire country. That guy's been sensational. Um, Penn State is the worst offensive rebounding team in the entire country. So my for my key for Maryland here, got to defend Jalen Pickett. Julian Reese's got to be able to stay in the game. Pat 1000000 has got to contribute off the bench. Win the battle on the boards, you'll win this game at home. Um, I think Maryland wins this one by nine points. Um, I'm going to go Maryland seventy four. Penn State 65.
0: Yeah, I don't see Penn State coming to College Park and beating them. Um, this Penn State team is good. You know, they've struggled a little bit uh, in recent weeks, but this Penn State team is pretty good. I think we'll see how the rest of the season plays out, but I think this team deserves to be in the tournament. Um, I love Michael Shrewsbury. I think he's a phenomenal coach, and what he's done with this Penn State program to turn them around in just a couple years there and and how he's continuing uh, to recruit there. I think I think this Penn State program is going to be legit for years to come in this conference. Um, With that being said, Maryland's the better team, especially at home. They'll probably be favored by like six or seven points, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe five. I don't know. Something around that. Um, I think Maryland takes care of business. You know, Maryland's done a great job, whether it's guards or bigs, of crafting defensive game plans. And Willard and his staff deserve a ton of credit for this. But crafting defensive game plans uh, that limit the other team's best player. Almost like... I'm just it's Super Bowl week. So let me throw out a football analogy, almost like Bel- Belichick does week after week where they're going to take away the opponent's best weapon. Mer- Maryland does a great job with that, um, whether it's bigs or guards. You know, you saw it even earlier this season with like Isaiah Wong from Miami. Yeah. Um, like they, they do a great job of that. And Jalen Pickett is going to be contained and limited. They're going to throw a bunch of different bodies at him. um, And I trust Maryland and Willard to do that. So I think Maryland wins. I think it's a relatively close game, but Maryland has control pretty much the entire time. I got Maryland 68, Penn State 60, which will move Maryland to 8-6 and in conference play with. That highly anticipated Purdue game coming up next Thursday, but we'll talk to you before then. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next Wednesday um, and have a good one.